Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. If you are a busy, hardworking, type A personality who has started over and over and over again, this podcast is for you. Welcoming Sarah Song to the show is just such a pleasure. And to hear her journey and how she how she took herself out of that crazy corporate long day, long work week environment and started working on her own well-being through aromatherapy, you're going to love this story. And more excitingly, we're actually going to have Sarah back for a Wine and Dime event coming up in November. So stay tuned to listen to all the details. We are so excited to have Sarah Sarah on the show, and we think you're going to be so excited to hear some of the information about how aromatherapy can actually help with stress and well-being. So sit on back, grab your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. Well, Sarah, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Uh, for those guests that, as you'll you'll hear, Sarah and I have had some really wonderful conversations um, over the last few months. And I hope that you feel as impacted about our conversations as uh, I have felt. So before we get started, I'll just say again, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. I'm super excited. Now, I know that Sarah's not a big wine drinker. Unfortunately, she's allergic to it. Oh, break my heart. But you do have a favorite beverage. Yes, I do. Um, I really love what I call a Fomosa, which is just a sparkling water and orange juice. Sometimes I mix it with cranberry if I get a little wild. Um, but yes, like you said, I am allergic to alcohol, so I've never really experienced what, you know, wine drinking and all of that is like, um, from a financial point of view, it's probably saved me a lot of money over the <laughs> years. Um, but I love yeah, a little sparkling effervescent, uh, sparkling water with some fruit juice in there. And I also love tea. I love herbal tea too. So all kinds of teas I love to drink, especially at nighttime as I'm before I'm getting ready for bed. Very healthy. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Well, Sarah, I want to take just a, a second as we transition from talking about our favorite beverages over to um, the scents that go along with some of our favorite beverages, right? There is a, 
there's a big connection between wine and the way it smells, the way it tastes. Um, there's food, the way it smells, the way it tastes, right? And our senses are very um, sensitive to some of those things. It's amazing when you smell a, a glass of wine and you think, mm, boy, you really get, you know, a lot of floral, a lot of um, earthiness to it. And then you taste it. And you're like, oh, there's vanilla versus if you just sip that wine, you don't always get all of the flavors that um, the senses can bring together. So, yes, I can bring anything back to a vineyard, right? So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so tell us, um, I'm excited for the audience uh, to hear your story and your journey because you have what I call live the manic life and not that you don't live a manic life either, but you, you have started to shift gears just a little bit. And I would love for the audience to know your story because Sarah, we are getting a lot of clients this year. And a lot of listeners that are thinking about, do they love their job and do they want to do something different? And so I think your story is going to inspire them. Yeah. And um, I'm super excited to share because I feel like the more stories that we can hear from other people who've, you know, maybe switched careers or thought about switching careers, um, you know, it, everyone has a different story of how they come to that decision and when, and when it feels right. But yeah, so my, my background is almost like in different chapters and I feel like I'm kind of entering this like third career chapter of my life. But, um, like you said, I, I have gotten most recently, I'm a certified aromatherapist. I got certified in 2018 and basically, um, Having lived and worked in a corporate, very fast-paced, I was living in New York from about 16 years, and that's basically where I had the majority of my career working in the beauty industry. Um, you know, you think kind of I'm going to be doing something creative. I was in visual merchandising, which is in the creative team, and um, you know, it's a corporation like everything else, and it's you know, it was it's wonderful. It was like the work I did was amazing, and I'm super proud. Um, and I'm still consulting in that area, but, you know, just being on that work treadmill at a very Mm -hmm. fast pace from my kind of like twenties to forties, you know, I didn't really kind of stop to kind of catch a breath and look around and assess. It's sort of like that concept of inertia when Mm -hmm. something is in motion, it will continue in motion. If something (laughs) is not in motion, it's not just going to start. And so when you're on a certain pace and trajectory, and then you mix that with sort of these expectations that you might have had growing up in your career, even just stuff that's instilled from your family. I mean, Mm -hmm. one thing I think that's important with my story is my parents were immigrants, you know, and they came to this country and education and career was everything. And that sort of security was sort of like embedded into my DNA at a very young age. And that sort of created a lot of um, decision making making for me. Um, but I loved what I did. I just realized like kind of getting into my 40s and really, you know, that's kind of a time where I had gotten married you know, I was contemplating, do I want children? I'm wondering where my career is going. A lot of things that we think about or that happen to me that are outside of our traditional nine to five or let's say nine mm-hmm. to eight work day. <laughs> let's be real. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think it's that nine to eight lately, (laughs) nine to eight, or if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that's, that's kind of like not an easy road either, but, um, it all kind of came, the mirror came up for me through my workplace. So to be honest, I was like, I've always been able to kind of meet deadlines and excel and get promoted. And, you know, with my, just getting to a point where I was overstressed, burnt out, unsure of who to ask for help. I think that's a really big question, especially for women in the workplace is sort of, if we are struggling, who do we see? You know, who do we talk to? Can you talk to your boss or are they going to think that you can't handle your job? I mean, that was something that came up quite a bit for me in this big corporate environment where there's so many people who might want to take your job. But I got to a place where my body just told me, I cannot do this anymore. And it had to do a lot with just external things, like I said, some physical things I was going through. My stamina, I think like in your 20s and 30s, is we, we take it for granted and something happens in your 40s when maybe you kind of slow down oh, a little. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hormonal changes and just all of that stuff. And just trying to meet those demands and then coming home and being a wife and trying to tend to the house and all that stuff. It just kind of was very clear to me, like, even if I willed myself to move forward in this, in this, you know, direction that I had kind of plotted in my life, the, well, this is going to happen at this age and I'm going to retire at this age. Like when you write that (laughs) script and it's so like, there's no room for error or wiggle room. It's kind of like your whole world starts to like turn upside down and you're like, wait a minute, what is going on? And so (laughs) I, um, you know, and I also will say just my own personality, I am a bit of a workaholic and I am a perfectionist. So those are two qualities that don't really help in the matter when you're really trying to kind of stop and pause and assess, Hey, maybe this is not this formula is not working. Let's rewrite the formula. I found aroma. I had always been intrigued with this idea of essential oils, but I had never even bought a bottle of an essential oil. I was on a vacation in Hawaii and Maui, and there's a beautiful lavender farm um, high up in the mountains, and they have many different species of lavender. So Spanish lavender, French lavender. I mean, I didn't even realize they had all these different lavenders. And when you really get to spend time with each one and smell them and smell the subtle differences, I just, something just made me very happy. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't really know why that was happening. I was on vacation, so that didn't hurt, you know. Um, but I was really intrigued with our sense of smell and this ability to kind of put me a, in a relaxed state. It was lavender. Lavender is one of the most sedative, relaxing essential oils and plants out there. But it was this idea of a connecting to nature. I mean, when you're in an office space, especially work from home, we're staring into a screen all day. It cannot be more artificial, then being able to be out and connect with nature, that was an aha moment for me mm-hmm. that I just needed to kind of sit back and receive messages from Mother Nature and just things that have been in our planetary you know world for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So that was a that was a you know big light bulb for me, reconnecting to this kind of sense of smell and also, Where kind of I think life is so interesting is that my undergraduate degree um, is 
in neuroscience from the University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So like I said, immigrant parents, super academic in high school, wanting to go to the best college I could get into. So I went to um, University of Pennsylvania, not quite sure knowing that A, neuroscience was something I wanted to study, but I was very intrigued in this concept of like our behavior as people and the biological behavior of that. I knew I didn't really want to be a doctor. I also had one foot in this creative vision. I wanted to be this like very creative person. And um, I ended up getting my undergrad degree. I worked in a lab for two years. I I learned so much. We were actually studying um, serotonin in the gut in rats, which is such a hot topic today. But yeah, let's let's put a pin in that. I'd like to come back to that conversation. Sure. But the lifestyle of a lab tech is, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily quote unquote easy. It was a lot of animal research, did a lot of animal surgeries and, you know, studies to do any kind of a study of supporting my professors. It's, you know, probably 18 months of research. So you're not getting this like immediate, okay, what are we studying and what's the answer? And I think as a kind of like younger, impatient person, I ended up kind of putting a, you know, putting that kind of career world on hold. I was like, do I want to um, go to grad school, get a PhD and go into more academia? While I was actually working at the university, I was able to take free classes. I took all these art classes and my mom being super practical said, you cannot go from high school to art school. You have to get a general education, which now I appreciate, but I ended up moving to New York to go to Parsons School of Design and saying, I'm going to just take this, you know, sign that maybe I have a, a desire to be creative, went to Parsons and got a BFA in product design and furniture design, not knowing where that was going to take me. I have to say, when I look back, I was a little bit just kind of following my heart. I think as like, quote unquote, adults, it's harder to do that when we have more obligations and we're mm-hmm. kind of on this career path. So my first job out of school after Parsons was working for the Estee Lauder companies, um, creating tester designs, visual merchandising. And that is what started my whole 20-something career in the beauty industry and corporate beauty. So it was sort of random. I never really set out to do that. Um, I worked on some great brands, some great projects, got to travel and see the world in a way that I probably wouldn't be able to on my own. But then Mm -hmm. after 16 years in New York, moved uh, to Los Angeles, which is actually where I'm from originally, moved back to LA. They, um, Estee Lauder purchased a brand called Smashbox. It was an acquisition brand. And now I understand what that really means is when you have an acquisition brand for a huge company, they expect really fast growth. So it was Mm kind of going from a large brand to a startup in Los Angeles, which, you know, where you work in the type of environment is going to be really important for anyone that, you know, is it a good match for your personality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I went in there not knowing exactly how much of an exponential growth they were expecting in X number of years (laughs) and um, kind of had to deal with that expectation difference. And so that's where after five years at Smashbox in Los Angeles, I also was like, I'm going to move from New York to Los Angeles. I'm going to kind of decompress and go into this like more wellness lifestyle. And I had worked harder 
in those five years than I ever had <laughs> and um, burnt out, you know, mm-hmm. like the th- I had burnt out probably a couple times earlier, but was able to get back on that horse and keep going. And this time um, I just really hit a wall mm-hmm. and that was probably around 20 sets. Oh, the signs were happening over and over again, but I think I really started to listen in around 2017, got my certification in aromatherapy And then, you know, not sure what it was going to do, where it was going to take me. But for someone like me, I just knew I needed to learn more and learn about the the chemistry, the safety of it. And that's what a certification in aromatherapy kind of is. It's it's, um, certain, you know, tests and case studies that you have to do. So you have a basic understanding of all of the different rules. And I think when it comes to essential oils, even though they're natural, there's a lot of safety guidelines that we need to pay attention to. Um, so I got my certification and now I'm actually, I had left that job, which was incredibly scary. Um, that decision took a very long time, but I have started consulting. Mm-hmm. And while I took that leap and I was so scared to do it, I, I was like, oh my gosh, my identity is wrapped up in this job and my 401k is wrapped up in this job and my health insurance, everything that I'm sure you are so experienced with. And we don't realize like until I didn't realize like, gosh, so much is wrapped up in a job that is so much more than the job. I had never been without health insurance that was employer, you know, provided. I've never you know, I've always relied on a 401k and all of those other benefits, a life insurance benefit, all of these other things that get wrapped up in full-time employment. Um, it was very scary to say, okay, I've got to cut the cord on these things and try to try to figure out if I can build this from the ground up. It was a very slow transition. I was very careful. I didn't just jump without a job because that was very important to me. But my current situation now is that I consult with a skincare company and um, I have a pretty regular gig. It's anywhere from three to four days a week. So I'm now paying for my own health insurance. Um, I have finally been able to, after X number of hours of working with them, contribute back into a 401k. So that's helpful. Um, and then what this does is it allows me to spend time on my aromatherapy business, which is actually, I, I don't even really like to call it an aromatherapy business. It's more of a well-being for, I call it well-being for the brain, body, and soul. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the tool that I choose to sort of focus on is aromatherapy, our sense of smell, which is such a beautiful sense going back to what you're talking about before with our senses, our sense of smell is this unsung hero that I think has kind of gotten pushed into an area where we think of it as um, maybe not as important to gather information as like maybe sight or touch. But if you think about, I'll just go a little bit into the history of sort of how our sense of smell developed and why it's so important. Our sense of smell, if you think of animals and how they get all of their information through the world, so including dogs, you know, rodents, any kind of mammal that that um, they rely on their sense of smell is their number one way to get information through the world. And that is actually why biologically our sense of smell is developed a little different 
than all of our other four senses of smell. So um, our other four senses, our sense of smell is tied into this part of the brain called the limbic system, which is super important. It's memory and learning, hormonal balance. It's our stress fight or flight. So everyone I'm sure has heard of the fight or flight response. That's all part of this mammalian brain um, that is really meant to a keep us alive and secure, but also how do we gather information from the world? And so our sense of smell is built right into this limbic system. And so that's why when we smell something, like you were saying, if you smell a glass of wine, you might think of a memory or it might conjure up, like, did you say banana or something like, or floral? <laughs> Sorry, floral. Floral, yeah. <laughs> Not banana. Um, a floral. But we start to get all of these images and feelings and thoughts and even our concept of like intuition or gut feeling or if you feel like you get a certain vibe from someone when you walk into the room and you might get Mm -hmm. a weird vibe. That's all your limbic system sort of operating on this subconscious level separate from our cortical prefrontal cortex area, which is our very human strategic, rational planning, being able to connect dots, all of these things that developed last in our human brain. Hmm. So when we're able to kind of disengage from that heavy, heavy thinking and that overly analytical side of us, which is totally me, by the way. (laughs) And I can kind of tap in with my nose into this other area of the brain. You know, conceptually, I I call my company Love Your Limbic because when we can learn to love this area of the brain, which is also known as the emotional brain, um, then we're able to kind of self-soothe in a way that we can't quite rationally do. So I think a lot of my story is also you know, Sarah, get your act together, get it together, like push through it, you, you know, and, and really not taking stock into Sarah, like now's the time that you need to comfort yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you need to be gentle with yourself and be self-compassionate. I think this idea of compassion, which is really important in, in love your limbic is that we each you know, can probably learn to be a little bit more compassionate with ourselves first and (laughs) foremost, especially as really ambitious, strong women, powerful, who are kicking ass every day. Um, It's really important for us to just take a moment and self-nurture, self-love with self-compassion. And I love to do that with this concept of loving your limbic. So it kind of ties together this concept of of this emotional well-being, our sense of smell, self-nurturing and self-compassion, and through the lens of neuroscience, which I think is really important for someone like me as being a, I call myself a right brain, left brain. I like to know the why as to how I'm feeling a little bit, you know? And um, that kind of just rounds out this whole story. So that's why I would say my Life is like now I'm kind of entering a third act and um, with Love Your Limbic, I'm, you know, starting to do uh, wellness seminars for companies. Workplace well-being is really important to me, having spent so many, I guess, years in corporate culture, just, you know, the idea of self-care, self-nurturing. It's starting to become more talked about, but in essence, I would say priority-wise on a culture scale, it's pretty low. 
Um, and so workplace well-being and just giving back to employees and, you know, giving them tools mm-hmm. through aromatherapy, self-care tips that you can use throughout the day, as well as transition into the night. Aromatherapy is very holistic. It's, it's the mind, it's the brain, it's the body, it's the soul, it's the spirit. It touches on a little bit of everything. So I love to kind of incorporate our sense of smell as a way that we can kind of help ourselves throughout the day and just take these little aromatic moments um, and give yourself a little break and love your limbic in that way. So that's my long-winded story. (laughs) No, I love it. And there's a couple things I want to unpack just a little bit deeper with that because number one, I don't know that people understand the beauty business. So yes, we understand being um, very driven and, and, uh, very um, work focused and all of those sort of things, but but the the requirements when you're in the beauty business are quite demanding. I'm not saying the other jobs aren't, by the way. I'm just saying that the expectations for you to live your job are pretty high. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say absolutely. I'm to be fair, I haven't really worked outside of it, but I've worked for probably the biggest companies that are globally well known. Um, and there's really like actually now that I've taken a step back for a couple of years, you know, there are it is a high, high demand industry because it's so incredibly competitive and fast-paced and globally. There are things going on, not just in the United States, but Asian skincare, Brazilian beauty, you know, French fragrance, like it's a global entity. So A, any time you have the word global, it just never sleeps. Mm -hmm. It never stops. And these are huge, huge companies that have networks all over and every place. So not only is it demanding from a I would say a time point of view, but it's a very high competitive. I mean, I would, I would put it on par with like any kind of financial thing because innovation is key. And so Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. it's a rush to market. It's a rush to launch. It's, you know, so many different things. And I will say that, um, what, what is a little bit ironic is that it's the beauty industry. It's generally for women, but there's a lot of men's male skincare, you know, um, brands out there, but there were a lot of women that worked there, but the, the, the people who are in the most highest level of positions, I would say it's still mostly men, all the CEOs, you know, it's starting to change a little bit, but I think that also subconsciously on many different levels, it, it adds a little bit of competitiveness versus maybe a supportiveness. And I, mm-hmm. so first time I've kind of vocalized that, um, but since you asked, I'm kind of reflecting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, that also makes it tough. A lot of, a lot of these women were, you know, had their MBAs, they had children, they had families, they were commuting to Westchester and Long Island. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they got home, they were back on the back online somehow, Mm -hmm. somehow after dinner and putting their kids to bed, they were back online and the prototypical woman didn't sleep very much. I mean, we kind of, I would, I was kind of like at, you know, doing my own in-house survey going like, cause I was comparing like, do I have the stamina to do this in the next 10 years? And these women literally just, I think biologically, some of them were designed differently. Like they only needed five hours of sleep. They got up at like four 30 to get on the treadmill. Like there was a prototype of a very, of a successful woman in this 
arena. And I also, I also was looking at that saying, I don't know if that's quite me. Mm-hmm. If I'm already feeling this at 42, right? Um, so yeah, it is highly, highly demanding. And I think that I think that there isn't a culture within these industries to say, oh my God, I am a woman trying, you know, and I didn't have children. So I didn't even feel like I could complain. You know, I felt like I had to kind of zip it. Um, but I just felt like, you know, that question I asked, where do you go to, to say, Hey, I am stressed. I am burning out. I'm having struggles managing my team. There's a little bit of vulnerability that like it's, it's very, not very many women really show it or feel maybe they have the freedom to show it and not feel like you're going to maybe be deemed as like, can she handle this job? And that to me was very scary. I think just because my whole life had been designed to handle it. you know. Well, um, I think one of the comments that you made, uh, I don't know if you realized you said it or not, but I, I noticed it and I, and I've lived this. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why I noticed it so much, but, but you made the comment that the signs were actually happening over and over. Mm-hmm. And as you and I have talked offline, um, that happened to me too. Like, you know, I, I joined a company based on this expectation. Oh, well, they decided to change the job or the, the way that it, because I was good at something, you know, they were going to point me in, in a different direction than I wanted to go. Well, and so I'd leave that company and join another company that would say, oh, no, we'll do this and 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 we'll let you live a life as well. Like, you know, it won't be all about work. And then, you know, you look back three years later and like, wait a minute, you said this wouldn't be all about work. You know? totally. <laughs> I'm working 65 hours a week. So then you leave a company. I mean, I did that several times and now I'm still working a lot of hours, but at least it's my way and my time and and my benefit, you know, it's not my clients get the benefit of me working some some longer days, weeks like right now. We're in the middle of one of our largest uh, group of clients open enrollment. So, yeah, I'm going to work uh, more hours in a week like this because you have two weeks to select your benefits right. and you're done for a year. So, yep, there's going to be periods of time that are like that. And it's not easy, as you know, starting a company. Certainly there's been a lot of long hours involved, but at least I feel like I'm doing it for them yes. and for me. And for you. you. Know? Yeah, I, I yeah. think um, for me, I felt very out of control because I, I, I felt like I was kind of on this, you know, there's like a tidal wave coming and you're kind of just like trying to tread water. Yeah, Whereas, like, oh, isn't that pretty? And not even realize that it's going to knock you over. It's going to knock you over. So duck and get ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you, when you have your own company, it's that feeling of you are going to work more hours. I think like I was watching an episode of Shark Tank and Lori, one of the sharks said, being an entrepreneur, you want to work 80 hours so you don't have to work 40 hours for someone else, you know, in a week. And that concept is totally true. I'm often like, oh my gosh, being an entrepreneur is quote unquote longer. It doesn't quite end, but I feel at least I have been able to set more boundaries for Mm -hmm. myself. And when I was in um, my previous work, the boundary setting was very, very, very tough. Um, and that's where this idea of lack of control comes in, which makes, I think it can make you even more frustrated. But yes, going back to your original point, which was like, you kind of like every few years, the signs pop up, you know, and maybe, you know, and it also can work to you in a different way was like, every time I had a, a big struggle and I overcame it and I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. So the next time something like that happens or the next time I have a mega project with all of these expectations, like I, I was successful in the past. So you're getting all these signs 
professionally that what you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of stop and listen in and take take you know notice of your own emotional well being, your physical well being, and all of these things are more about you, which I wasn't necessarily as open to listening to the signs. Um, yeah, there were many times over and over, I think I've burnt out like several times. I just scraped by and could make it through. But this last time, I think also being in my 40s, I was like, what am I making it through for? Just so mm-hmm. I can, mm-hmm. you know, what what is the, what is my end goal to get an even an even bigger paycheck and an even bigger what you know golden handcuffs you know and is that what makes me happy? And everyone's different for the people who are in corporate. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being in this um, that environment. It's just I for me personally listening in. It was a little bit like my map of my life was kind of moving in a different direction and it just wasn't working in that old formula for me. I think um, one of the other things that um, I I like, I like the formula concept of it because um, you know, I think when you, when you go into, when you do that same cycle over and over, and I don't know about you, but I actually have gaps in my memory from some of those those periods of time, because there was, the stress level was so high and the anxiety level was so high because I was constantly under the gun. Um, there's actually (laughs) gaps that I have. And, and I reckon like now in my, in my late forties, I now recognize that if I'm if it's taking me moments to kind of like use my words, that that's a sign to me, that, that that's a sign to me that um, I'm at maximum speed mm-hmm. capacity, I should say, and need to slower, lower my speed. And people that have listened to this podcast in the past have heard this And my husband, uh, Brent will often say she doesn't have a, uh, off switch. She only has a dimmer. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's true about me as a person, but, but the dimmer does need to go on every once in a while. And, and for there sure. needs to be that, that slowdown. And, and I want to, for a second, cause I said, I wanted to put a pin in it before we, we move on the conversation, but you talked about gut and melatonin. Oh, serotonin. Serotonin. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. and I want to, I want you to, to circle back around behind that because serotonin, that's why it shouldn't have been melatonin. Serotonin Serotonin is the the chemical that gives us like happiness, right? Yeah. I, to be totally transparent, I have to probably go back and do a little bit more research to to feel super confident to talk about it. But yes, yeah, serotonin is um, kind of quote unquote the happiness drug. I am sure it does so many other things too, and it's also highly related. The context that I was studying it was in relationship to actual like feeding and our appetite and motivation to eat. So it was a little bit more. Um, I guess, biological, what we were studying. But yes, it turns out 90% or something, uh, very, very high of our serotonin receptors and makers where we produce it actually comes from our gut area. Mm -hmm. Um, There are also serotonin um, receptors, obviously, in the brain. And I want to say the brain stem area. But, you know, there's so many neurotransmitters. That's basically what it is. It's how cells communicate with each other chemically. So like dopamine's another one, um, oxytocin, even adrenaline, you know, these are all ways that the body is kind of like flushing out and talking to each other. But, and it's so complex and I almost, I, I just, I love it. It's such a beautiful, like our body and our brain is such a beautiful, complex <laughs> being yeah, um, yeah. that works so hard for us, you know, and 
and it's working when we realize it or not. But sorry, I um I wasn't sure where your question was going. No, no, no. I think you answered it actually. But I think what that does is lead to the next like level of discussion around how how aromatherapy can improve our lives. Um, and 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 just like for full disclosure, I've never been one of those people that was actually like a believer in that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I was a person and I've never been, and, and I don't, this is going to sound like I'm being judgmental. And the, the good news is that I feel very differently now in my life, but it, you know, at different prior years, I've thought, thought this is all foo-foo stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, who really needs this and who really needs that? I am becoming more and more of a believer in some of that stuff because um, I, I guess learning more about it, being more educated about it, number one, but also it it actually stems from uh, a simple thing back in March, might've been April. I know it was in the middle of like the market was going down. And I think it was April because I think it was, my husband had actually returned to New York and I was still down in Florida. And it was just one of those days where I, I wanted to just, I was either going to cry or I was going to drink heavy or I was going (laughs) to laugh. You know, and I went outside and there was this sweet odor that was in the air. It was just, I, I don't know whether it was Jasmine or I don't, I can't, couldn't put my finger on it, but it was just this very fragrant, sweet smell. And I just stood there for a few minutes and I like enjoyed it and inhaled it. And I realized that it just completely calmed me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Completely changed me. I did go have a glass of wine, by the way. But of course. the fact of the matter is that my mood went from, oh my gosh, you know, I am on the verge here to, um, it's okay. Like tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to go have a glass of wine and chill, you know? And that was when, as I was sitting there having a glass of wine, sort of the flips switch the switch flipped a little bit. <laughs> so I wanted to bring that up and 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 kind of point that out. And for you, um, this has changed your life, right? I mean, now it's a business. Now you're developing it into a business and you're doing coaching for a lot of companies that brings this part of wellness into it. Yes. And I love your story so much, Amy, for so many reasons, because that is aromatherapy to me. Mm-hmm. What we think of aromatherapy, and I was like you too. I was like, what is all this kind of, you know, Black. dippy, <laughs> these little like, you know, I, I'm, I was like, I'm a corporate per. I, I, I did yoga. I did do yoga, but I was, you know, and I had this kind of openness to maybe like alternative medicines. I had done acupuncture a little bit, but for the most part, I was not into quote unquote essential oils. And that's where I kind of like, for me, it was very important when I started this business to sort of educate on what is aromatherapy, but you know, it's, it's turned into something else because of the, the, um, business of gifting the business of wellness, which is a business in and of itself. And the true meaning to me of why I love aromatherapy when I was in Maui at that lavender farm, when you were stressed out and smelling these blossoms of jasmine or whatever it was. It's mother nature, whatever you want to call it, this ancestral wisdom, these plants, these herbs, these seeds, these rinds, all of these beautiful things. That to me is the story 
-hmm. of aromatherapy. What is it that already, you know, lives? We don't have to create quote unquote more things to teach us. If we stop and can kind of lean on the things that already exist, our plant life, I often say we need the plants more than they need us, you know, Mm -hmm. like the benefit that we just got. But But how that translates into the modern day kind of aromatherapy is that clinical aromatherapy is the use of pure natural essential oils that are like genuine, authentic. So it's the essential oil that comes from that real plant, that real lavender plant that we're talking about and gets distilled into those little brown, cute little apothecary type bottles. And then it's the application of that to support our emotional, physical, spiritual soul well-being. But I think what's happened now is that depending on where you enter into this world of aromatherapy, it can kind of color your viewpoint of what it actually can do for you and what it actually is. I call it a complementary alternative medicine. It's not the only thing that can support you. There's so many other things, but it has its you know, lineage in in traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine in herbalism, you know, it's something that if you don't want to take a quote unquote pill for, you know, or maybe rely on all of these Western medical techniques, we can take these essential oils that have been gifted to us from this natural plant life and use that to soothe. And exactly what happened to you is exactly what it can do for you. So you feeling stressed out, worried about the market, whatever's happening, your cortex, your thinking brain is like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And we can't make sense of it because we are not, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. We have an election in what, four days, and we just don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, that's right. What, yeah. And it's not going to end this year. And that's part of the problem, right? And we're <laughs> in a pandemic, but you know, so much is going on that we cannot control. We can't see, we can't put it in a box and make it look nice. And that's where anxiety starts to kind of bubble up this unknowing of the future meets with what our expectations and what we we are familiar with and and how that those two worlds don't mesh anymore so your limbic system what happens is when we are quote unquote feeling unsafe whether it's literally that saber-toothed tiger metaphor we're unsafe because we don't know what's happening in the future. We're unsafe because our boss keeps on emailing us relentlessly. You know, it could be, you know, maybe it's the babysitters calling you and you're just, oh my gosh, they never call. Like, what does that mean? Um, it could be so many things that happens, but the physiological response is the same. Your amygdala in your limbic system is triggering down to release adrenaline and cortisol and all of these hormones that are going to get you revved up for action. So it's, it's a beautiful system that's been built into us for survival, right? But the fastest way to disrupt from that sort of like epicenter of where stress starts in the brain is through our sense of smell. And that's because of literally biologically, physiologically, it's only one connection away. Our olfactory bulb and that amygdala are like buddies in our limbic system, right? So even if you're consciously aware of what that sense of smell is doing to you, there's a couple things happening. It is calming down those other stress responses in your body. It also is signaling back to our brain that we are in a safe place. And it's also taking that thinking part of your brain, that prefrontal cortex, 
it's like disengaging it because we're now operating really in this sort of more subconscious level of the limbic system. So even though you can rationally tell yourself, Amy, you don't know what's happening with the market tomorrow, or maybe all of this <laughs> ever, ever, really, yeah. ever um, that's not going to be as effective or powerful to actually truly calm yourself, your stress response down. So that's the beauty of all this. It's physiological. There's a scientific reason for why it's happening, but it's a little bit magical and mysterious as to how it calms us down and, and why. And so I love to bridge the why behind it's at what it's doing and also rely on the beauty that that plant gave you in that moment. It, it gifted you with like, Amy, the message was, we're going to be okay, even if it's just for 10 seconds. Um, and that's the power of our sense of smell. Well, this has been such an interesting conversation. And the good news is what I'm very excited about is the fact that you and I have agreed to do for the month of November, a wine and dime evening event where people can actually sign up and learn even more information about this and, ha- and continue this conversation from their own perspective, right out of the comfort of their home with a glass of wine if they want it, and really explore this and even even more detail. So I consider this podcast part one for you and I to participate in. And, um, you know, we are going to be pushing out some information on when that's going to be. It's also going to be in the show notes as far as if you want to actually register. Uh, We're going to have that event posted in there and we're going to be pushing out via our our uh, blog and our, uh, our our mailing system, you know, to, to everyone to, to give them an invite. But before I let you go, I have two final questions that I always love to ask all of our guests. The first question is, what is your definition of success, especially considering you've just changed a great deal? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, I'm going to say the short answer is just being really honest, honest, brutally honest, even if it's painfully honest, but being honest with yourself so you can lead an authentic life. I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of buzzwords we're hearing is purpose. You know, are are you feeling that purpose? I was not feeling the purpose, but I was trying really hard. It's kind of like if you're with a boyfriend and you're like, he can work. (laughs) But if you really look at the signs, maybe, you know, it, it might not work out and that's totally okay. So for me, success, I feel like I'm actually hitting my success stride in my mid forties, which is that I'm doing it for me, you know, win, lose or draw. I, I'm going to just try and do it for me. And, and that brings me a lot of joy and happiness in a way that I haven't felt. Yeah. I think one of the things that we, cause you and I, as we were talking, had a lot of similarities in nature. And I said, you know, it was 44, I was 44 when I was like either now or never. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to do it now or I'll never do it. Like, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend the rest, uh, 10, 15, you know, years saying, Oh, it's only so many more years to retirement. Only so many more years to retirement. Only so many. That's all. That's like, why would I ever want to like wish my life away like that? You know? So yeah. Yeah. So it was either now or never. Right? And, and I was pushed, uh, by some, you know, losses of some loved ones to remind me that life can be very short. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, that was a little push. And, and sometimes I, I remind people that when you won't listen to your body, your body will force you or the universe will force you to listen to it. So 100%. <laughs> yes. And, and the final question, and this is the one that, um, we love to close on because it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's one of those things where we all learn a lot in life, right? So we, we call this 
portion of the podcast, the nourish your vine section. Cause we're talking about when we talk about a vineyard and, and a vineyard always needs nourishing no matter what. And I just think we spent, you know, 35 minutes talking all about being nourished, which is wonderful. And so, so for you, I'd love to know if, if you can give us in just a few seconds, I guess the number one financial lesson that you've learned in your life or that somebody told you that you've implemented that you were like, oh man, this has been the best thing. And it can be larger, smaller, you know, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that for me, it was a lesson that I've again recently come across, which is just don't write yourself out of your financial life. And I think that I had a preconceived notion, especially being like a bleeding liberal, you know, and being young and being like, I don't care about finances and I just want peace and love in the world and kind of growing up with that mentality. And I often just categorize people who were into finances must be greedy. They must just want to accumulate mass money. And it just took me until even into my 30s. I was not, I didn't have a relationship with money because I felt like if I thought about it or cared for it, it meant something about me as a person that mm -hmm. I didn't like. And and I, I'm like, God, that's short-sighted because it's kind of like politics, you know, it's like, if you pay a tax, you should be involved in politics in one way or another. If you breathe the earth, you know, if you walk the earth, you are, be you are, that is being political too, you know? And so I think that because I was so afraid of finances and so afraid of what being financially savvy would mean to me as a human being that I literally never looked under the hood. I just squirreled mm -hmm. it away. I just saved, 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 tried to pay down my student loan debts, just pay it all down. But I never really thought about what does my whole financial future life mm -hmm. look like? How do I preserve wealth? How do I grow? And that's how you and I kind of came to know each other was like, I'm 46 and I'm starting to kind of look under my hood and not be scared of what I, I see or, you know, and, and just kind of having a financial literacy. So I guess the lesson would just be like, don't be afraid to look under your own financial hood and, and um, take control just like the way I didn't really want to listen to the signs with my career world. Maybe I didn't really want to get too deep in my finances, but you know, now I'm a homeowner. Now I have to think about health insurance. Now I have yeah. to think about, you know, my own, my own retirement future. And that doesn't mean I'm, you know, a wall streeter. It doesn't mean I'm any of those things. It just means I care about my future for myself and my family. You care about it. I think that's, that's such a good tip. It's, I love the fact that you said, don't be afraid to look under the hood, because I know we do have people that, that, um, uh, and, and I, I really, 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 really wish, did I put enough reallys in there? Um, <laughs> that when people come to me that they, so, uh, I won't say everyone, but a, a number of people that come to me will say, I know I should have looked at this sooner, or mm -hmm. I know I should know more about this, or I'm so embarrassed, you know, that, um, we're coming to at this point in time, 
all of those. And a lot of times there's the word should. And, and when they do that, I'm like, okay, don't should on yourself. Okay. We're going to just leave that alone. Like don't should on yourself. But the fact of the matter is it's never too late to lift the hood. No. And you're doing it now. So just be proud of yourself yes. that you're doing it now because you could do it never. Mm-hmm. And that would be bad, right? <laughs> Yeah. And it's a, it's a sign again, that self, self love, self compassion, your financial health that can bring a lot of stress and worry to people. I know it has in my life. And it's sort of like the, if you think of your holistic well being together, financial well being should absolutely be one of the kind of like pieces to that well being puzzle, I think. Well, we believe so. And, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we offer that, similar to what you're doing with corporate co- uh, clients, we offer a lot of financial education uh, to mm-hmm. our corporate clients, you know, for that reason, because. Um, that's, that's an area that, um, when they do surveys time and time and time again, people feel financial stress and it actually raises the risk of a business when people are stressed Uh uh, because their minds are not functioning properly right there. And if they have financial stress and emotional stress and all those kinds of things, um, you know, that's why other countries have much better family leave policies than we do. Uh, they, they recognize that stress actually reduces performance. And if you can focus on the issue that you've got, you know, the problem that you're undergoing at the time, then you'll come back and be more committed, more focused, a better employee, less likely to make mistakes, less likely to Mm -hmm. have any kind of theft or, you know, anything like that. But that's me getting on the high horse and preaching, which I should stay off from. So I agree with you. you, So (laughs) where can people find more information about Sarah? I'm so sorry. What, I, I cut out for one second. How can no, they I said more information about Sarah, about you? Oh, how can they reach me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an Instagram. If anyone's on Instagram, my handle is at love your limbic. And my website is love your limbic. That's L I M B I C.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page. I'm a little less active on Facebook, but I can be found on Facebook. Um, at Love Your Limbic as well. And I am going to start um, on my website starting to sell some really amazing self-care tools that I use in my personal life. Part of what I want to do is not only share information, but also product recommendations. I'm going to start blending essential oils and selling those. And so, yes, there's going to be a lot more things from Love Your Limbic in terms of what I can offer to people. Um, But yeah, Instagram is probably the best way. Please feel free to DM me if you want to just say hello. I think it's cool that you're going to start blending. Look at where this business is taking you. I'm so excited. Oh my God. That should be my tagline, Amy, from chaos (laughs) to calm. I will say also when you're in a good headspace and you're excited, I mean, my cre I have never been more creative in the last year with love your limbic mm-hmm. then I have then I feel like I've been in my whole quote unquote yeah. professionally creative career working in the beauty industry 
Um, it's amazing what your mind will just open up and flourish, you know, once you give it permission. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. Um, I get very creative about the business when I have some space to do it, Yep. you know, so if I go, if, even if it's just a long weekend, so, you know, when we're down in, in Florida in the winter times and we have that, um, we used to have fun day Sunday, you know, and we would go to the beach cause that's one of, or, or take our small, our tiny little thingy especially when you compare to some of the yachts that are there, um, boat out, you know, we, that was my day to just decompress and, and ideas would just come to me like just out of the blue. And so I'm a big believer that if you let your brain wander, solutions come better than any solutions you would have possibly thought of if you hadn't, if you, if you've tried, right. But that just giving your brain that time to, breathe for lack of a better word. (laughs) I mean, from you've just hit it on the head though, because when we are in constant revving your engine at a 10 the whole time, there's absolutely no way you can sustain it. And then as a culture in America, like you said, why are we so stressed out as a nation? You know what I mean? Because we don't give ourselves that necessary pause. Even if you look at productivity studies, um, working 60 minutes in an hour is completely not as productive as taking like a 17 yeah. minute break or, or whatever that Pomodoro method is. But so, and that's what aromatherapy allows you to do disengages that thinking over analytical part of your brain and engages this subconscious emotional brain. Um, and that's what your Sundays are doing for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to me that, um, that what that, and, and it's a, what's amazing to me is that, Um, when I didn't have it, um, when we couldn't do it because of the pandemic, I noticed that I wasn't as effective. Mm, So totally. And and there's like, I always say I'm a Pisces. So if I can be near water, I can be peace at peace. (laughs) When we can connect back to water plants, whatever it is that's in our nature, there is something so like soothing to the soul that happens. You feel that calling and it's just, it's like in your body and your blood probably. It definitely is. Well, Sarah, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. I have so enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to the event coming up in November where we get to dig into this even more and hear about some of the creations that Sarah's making. I'm So so excited, Amy. Thank you so very much. Tune in. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.